Hey, thanks for tuning in to episode two of Part of My Passion, the podcast where I chat with people who have inspired me with their passions. Today's guest is my friend, Aaron Klein. To give a little background, I have the fortune to work at a startup with catered lunches at the office every day. Yes, we do take strict COVID precautions. In 2020, we hit the jackpot by discovering the very talented Chef Aaron. One of the things that I look forward to every day at work, apart from savoring whatever delicious masterpiece Chef Aaron brings in that day, be it khao soy with coconut milk that he actually cracked from individual coconuts or Japanese ramen, the broth of which is made with kombu that he brought back from Hokkaido is actually chatting with Aaron about anything from the bleak fate of local restaurants during COVID to nerdy topics like the science of when and why you salt food while cooking. Today, I'm at Aaron's lovely home in Cambridge, Ontario, and after enjoying an incredible bowl of duck noodle soup with wontons, I'm talking to him and later also his wife, Alana, about personal betterment, cilantro, and a project that he's recently been pouring his heart into. Enjoy. Okay, Chef Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> this <laughs> feels very podcast-posty. I don't know if I'm ready for this yet. Why don't we start off with you? What is your background? Can we call you a chef or your restaurateur? I, I'm a chef by trade. That term gets thrown out around a lot now. I mean, back in the day, it used to mean somebody that paid their dues and worked their way up and became a chef. Mm-hmm. We call other people cooks, and I don't know. I think with the Food Network, everybody's a chef now. What do you see yourself as? A hospitality explorer. I think what what intrigues me about this industry is that, and about food, you will forget more than you'll ever retain at one given time, and that there is more to know than you will ever know. I think there's a lot of industries where you learn what you need to learn, and that's kind of it. There's still some probably cool tricks of the trade and some other fun stuff, but like food, you will never know even half of anything about food. You can be the best chef on the planet, and you still know nothing about Malagasy cuisine or... Uh, how they cook things in northern Russia or how, I mean, you can know a ton and still know nothing at the same time. And it's it's that endless possibility for learning that attracted me to this to this job. So I, am I a chef in the sense that I can command a kitchen and write a menu and make dishes that I can sell to people in a restaurant setting or... Am I very versatile? And well, it, yes, that's. And if that's your definition of a chef, then I'm a chef. But I'm a culinary student of the world. I think if you want to put it. As and from our, actually, from our conversations, <laughs> I would even go as far as to call you a student of the world. Like you're, you're so well versed in so many aspects of science, of history, of culture. That I mean, this is why I love talking to you, and I think. This is why I wanted you to be on this podcast, (laughs) obviously. Like, we talked for 15 minutes about cilantro. Oh, cilantro and about the potential for it to be the oldest herb in human history. Like, 
they they found cilantro seeds in Egyptian tombs that are ten and fifteen thousand years old. Like cilantro among amongst others is just it's like a representation of how wide your your knowledge of not just food stuff, um, of of other branches of maybe I had a really incomplete uh, sense of chefs and what uh, what what it means to be a chef. Like my understanding of a chef, let's say six months prior, like before I met you, uh, would have been the Gordon Ramsays, the the Marco Pierre Whites. Well, you introduced me to Marco Pierre Whites, so I didn't even know about about him. He was like the OG celebrity chef. The OG celebrity chef, yeah. I don't know how much introspection you've done on this. What is a source of your curiosity? Could you Uh, place a finger on it? I'm just curious by nature. And I mean, my, uh, my, my, my father, like he was a, an engineer by trade and was always throughout our entire childhood, always telling us to question everything, mm-hmm. question everything you're told, everything, like ask questions. There's there, uh, another thing that uh, he instilled on me very young was like, there's no such thing as wasted knowledge. Even if you know a completely useless fact about something, you know one thing more than somebody else. There's no such thing as wasted knowledge. So learn as much as you can. And I mean... Unless you're uh, uh, somebody who follows a, a, a background that you believe that, you know, our lives are going to carry on for the next 10 million years, that if you think that this is kind of your only shot, then treat it as your only shot and kind of take in as much as you can take in. Food, it's kind of been like, uh, I'm sure the universe is for, for astronomers or scientists. Like, it's this endless... Just when you think you know something, you don't know something, and there's something else, and there's something else, and then there's another culture doing it, and there's another country doing it, and there's another... It, it's, it's endless, and I think what's so intriguing about it is is the infinite possibilities that, that food has. And given the indoctrination that you had growing up, where your, your father had taught you to question everything, yeah. like there, there's so many directions that could have gone in. Right, like he was an engineer. He didn't. Did he push you towards the maths and the sciences? Yeah, I. To be honest with you, the first thing he did when I uh, when I told him I wanted to be a chef was show me the salaries of all the top doctors in Toronto. All right, <laughs> and it was uh, it was uh, uh, I will support you in anything you want to do, but just so you know, like this is the decision you're making. You're smart. You're smart enough to do to take one of these ten paths or twenty paths or whatever. In life, but if you choose this one, like it's going to be hard work, and it's going to be not saying that being a doctor is obviously not hard work, but uh, like you know, this is just I just want you to have all of the information so you can make an educated decision. Right. So that was, and then uh, he followed it up by saying, It doesn't matter what you do in life, just be the best at it. So that was. And that, those are the things that stick with me as I kind of... It really, it really does seem like that's, that has stuck with you, eh? Yeah. With, uh, being the best at everything. I, I find you fascinating because you are just so curious about everything that you do, and you have so much knowledge of the background uh, behind it. I, I feel like, and this is true in every field, not just yeah. uh, whatever impression of chefs and culinary yeah. experts that... I was privy to prior to, to meeting you, but I feel like in a lot of fields, people will learn what is necessary for their trades, apply it, and hope 
to be good at it without always having a full <clears throat> understanding of what's going on under the hood. Why do we salt hamburgers yeah. at the beginning? And because it expands your taste buds three times the size of their normal size, and you can taste more of that. Oh, but if uh, mediocrity has never appealed to me. My priorities and my life and my livelihood and my career and my home life are also intertwined that they're kind of one and the same. So for me to spend time at home figuring out why I like a certain shoyu the best versus a, a different varietal of soy sauce or something else aids in my work life, but then my wife enjoys a dish I make better and I can show it off to my friends and my parents and like almost all aspects, almost all aspects of my life are tied into that one thing. So it a pays off, but B is more beneficial for me to invest a lot of time in. And by nature, I'm very curious. So I enjoy like, it's not just how something impacts food. It's why it impacts food. So it's not just, you know how do we how do we add soy sauce to a dish well you put two tablespoons in yeah but why and why does soy sauce taste like that and why do different soy sauces taste differently and how does their fermentation process change and what's the difference between a soy sauce and a, a shoyu and a tamari and what and then again i i'm sure it's like a 2 a.m. rabbit hole that people find themselves on YouTube when watching videos sometimes. That's my mind with food. I dug deep into the educational aspects of everything. So, I mean, I subscribe to Lucky Peach and Gourmet and Bon Appetit and uh, the Food Network magazine and uh, America's Test Kitchen and uh, you, you name it. I had the magazine for it. I had the book for it. I was reading... I was reading blogs before reading blogs was even cool. I don't know. I was always I was always very interested in the uh, the educational portion and and advancement and and learning. And I think most people are their own worst enemy from self advancement because they it's much easier to make an excuse for why you are exactly how you are and not better uh, than actually dedicating yourself to the to personal betterment you could be very comfortable and happy coming home at five o'clock and you know making your same hello fresh box and doing i mean or if you spent a little bit more time and effort and energy and you did some research you could be hand making pastas for dinner and exploring the the other side of, of right there's something to it when you get into it i mean i felt this too and i obviously didn't delve into it as deep as you did. And like, I, I have seen the pleasures of mastering something and kind of learning through experiments, how inputs affect the output. Yeah. Uh, and that was an enriching experience. The thing I'm curious about about you is this is a podcast about people's passions and, and where, they, where they take them. Have, have you done introspection on how it is or why it is that you came down this path I, I learned very early uh, work ethic uh, dedication uh, the value of a dollar and that you know if you're not going to do something where you want to put in a hundred percent every day why bother doing it and I think all of those led to me being as dedicated 
as I am to the field that I'm in. On top of the fact that it it truly does excite me. I, I still wake up at 3 a.m. with recipe ideas and have to write them down. And but then, I mean, my wife absolutely despises when I wake up with the best culinary idea that I think of the 20th, oh, yeah, 20th century. Oh, 100%. I, I, I now have a little book versus notepads that look like a scene out of a beautiful mind next to my bed uh, earlier on. It's just like, <laughs> what if we try smoking cream before we inoculate it and turn it into mascarpone and then you'd stick that to the wall and then the next day you're like what the hell was i dreaming about last night that, that, that that's what came up this but, is like me when i read my uh high journals yeah <laughs> <laughs> my journaling i do when i when i'm high like, this is the most this is the best idea ever <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know how it feels so i i've told this to other people because i think it's a it's an incredible story you, you and your wife alana had went on this around the world trip that spanned over a year and that ended just before the global pandemic kicked in literally the day before yeah the day before it's, it's <laughs> yeah. shocking like it, it's incredible like what serendipitous timing that you guys had do you want to give a condensed or not so condensed uh, recap of the, re the reader's digest was. version yeah i spent uh, over a decade at a, a company and uh, worked 60 70 80 hour work weeks as kind of are the prerequisite for uh, for for culinary and i i was in a very high up position i guess you could say i i kind of we were we had a couple of drinks one night and we were just kind of uh speculating about what what it would look like if we just quit our jobs and traveled the world for a year that talking kind of continued and uh we kept saying oh you know it would be nice and yeah but who does that who just drops everything and and leaves for a year and well nobody does that everybody's just you need to be content that you've had your your house and your you know your cat and your dog and your two and a half cars and your one and a half kids and your white picket fence and your you know you that if you've got that you should just be content with it well I was never content with that, and I think part of that was, uh, you know, everything of my upbringing and just my my inquisitive nature of, of I need to find things that excite me and look for stuff, and I don't know. We kept having this conversation about uh, we should just travel for a year, we should just do it, just drop everything and travel, and it's like, nah, we couldn't. Like any commonsensical person would just go like yeah 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 that's just a pipe dream like you know what let's let's leave that as that's a, cute that's romantic yeah. you watch movies on netflix to uh, realize that escapism yeah yeah i'm gonna put that next to winning the lottery in my brain right like that's a you know with that in mind we uh rented out our our house and put our cats up with a, a family member thank you phyllis um and uh we I I quit a job that uh, you know I it was a stable job with a really good salary and uh, uh, benefits and the whole nine and you know from the outside looked like I had lost your mind I had no, yeah I you must be fucking insane like there's there's no there's no no again commonsensical person should be doing something like this and uh, it is the best decision we ever made like uh, there is zero absolutely zero regret if i could have less than zero regret if i could have negative regrets on this trip i think i would my my, my regret would be that i didn't decide to do it a couple years earlier the stories that came out of it with the timing 
I think, is I, a cherry on top. Absolutely. And that's literally, we, we didn't go expecting there to be a global pandemic called. We, so we, we landed back in Ontario at 3 a.m. on that... Uh, Early March. Yeah, March 16th or 13th or whatever oh, that day was. Oh, that's when shit hit the fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then literally the next day they called, the WHO declared COVID a pandemic. And then that Tuesday was the, the lockdown day. So it was like, and we didn't cut our trip short. We didn't come home early. We didn't, we knew something was up because there was a lot of heightened security abroad. When we were coming back, especially, we had a, a layover in Hong Kong. And I've flown through Hong Kong a few times. And this time was like, you can shoot a cannon through the airport and not hit a person. And like that, that doesn't happen. It's packed. It is the busiest airport you've ever been to. Yeah, it was good. We did. Uh, yeah. Where'd you go? We did uh, Japan, Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, Germany, Poland, Czech Republic, Netherlands, Belgium, England, Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Portugal, Spain, Morocco, Italy, Madagascar, Mauritius, India, Sri Lanka. I'm super jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Just... The logistics and everything of you making it work, you, you really had to want to make it work. It's, it's, it's still to this day. I mean, uh, it's still one of those. I, I don't question whether or not we made the right decision, but like I still contempl- think about what life would have been like had we not done it. Mm. And 99 out of 100 times it comes up, it comes out with my it's better now it's better now that i know what i know i've been where i've been i've experienced what i've experienced i have a multitude of 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 recipes from first-hand sources that uh you know a lot of people don't get i have a lot of experiences that a lot of people don't have or have the opportunity to get i have a different outlook on life that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to experience and I would do this trip over again tomorrow if I could, I think. Right? Like how many chefs, how many trained chefs, apart from maybe Anthony Bourdain and those types, yeah. get to travel the world in the way that you did? And from that trip, you it sounds like it was a, it was a learning trip for you, eh? It was a, it was a food center trip. It was very much a food center trip. I, I had to compromise, as we all do in relationships, but uh, I, I had to make sure that there was equal to, if not more, emphasis on the cultural experience and uh, uh, things that were around us as the food, as much as the food, um, which I actually thank my wife for because I think... Had I made it a hundred percent food-driven trip, uh, I don't think I would have got as much out of it as I did when, you know, we're in Cambodia and our tuk-tuk driver through Angkor Wat then takes us to his house, and you know, we get to experience a little bit of life as they have it, or. We're touring, uh, you know, some temples that were all on her agenda because I'm I'm primarily food driven, and we're driving by a farm where there's a lady j- digging up mud crabs, which I never even knew existed, and there's a story about that in in the cookbook, and it's just this mind-boggling thing that they get to utilize their crops 
as a, a, a means to obtain a loan for yeah they're collateral for a loan from the bank so they can just survive until they grow crops and then they sell the rice crops and they they're able to pay off the loan and then live but because there had been no rain even though it was the rainy season there'd been no rain so they weren't able to plant the rice crops which means they weren't able to obtain the loan which means they were running short on funds which means they were trying to essentially scavenge for food so they're looking through the rice fields and digging up these crabs that she was very blunt in the she said you know one hole one crab the bigger the hole the bigger the crab and you try and find the biggest holes and dig up the biggest crabs like it's just and she's digging in it with this this carved out piece of bamboo and reaching into these holes like elbow deep and pulling out these crabs and putting them in a bucket so that she can clean them up and stir fry them with some lemongrass and chilies and stuff so they can eat that evening and it's just like and that was one of those moments where it's like we're so fucking lucky like <laughs> like we're we're so lucky i never complain about winning the lottery because i think we've already won the lottery being able to be brought up and uh you know i can walk outside i can turn the tap on and drink clean water i can i can get in my car i can drive down a paved road i can go to the hospital if i'm not feeling well like it's just like we have nothing to complain about. And we all still do. I still complain. I still get caught complaining. And we have literally nothing to complain about. We, we make our own problems. Yeah, 100%. And in some ways, that's good, right? If you have all the necessities in your life figured out, then go and figure out something that is more meaningful. And maybe that's where, I'm not trying to get too philosophical, but maybe that's where a lot of the innovations and thoughts have have come yeah. from in the last few centuries okay so you had this you had this food plus cultural experience trip around the world through 25 26 countries yeah. uh you took a bunch of nice pictures you learned 12, yeah. it took twelve thousand pictures <laughs> uh which are really well done at klein Aaron. Um, people can find a lot of these pictures along with your experiences along with some food that you had and recipes in your cookbook yes yeah it's uh it, it was one of those things that i i had always wanted to do but didn't have enough substance to do it what i did was just kind of i sectioned the book by chapter and each chapter is a country you went to and it's in chronological order from you know japan all the way ending in uh, sri lanka uh, which was the last country we went to each chapter has a number of recipes and that's kind of dictated by the duration of time we spent in the country. So if we were there for three or four weeks, there's, you know, four or five or six recipes. If we were only there for a week or a few days, there's only one, maybe two. Each chapter has an introduction with a, a bit of why we chose the country. And then each recipe has got a little kind of half paragraph at the beginning of why I chose that recipe or why it's important to me. And why it should be important to you. And I think a lot of them were, I put the, the, the Nemerals in from Madagascar and, and why that was, was interesting to me. And it was interesting because I found a Vietnamese-style spring roll in the dead center of Madagascar, right? I have this, this, this dish called wonton mee, which is a Chinese dish, but we found it in, uh, in Penang in uh, Malaysia. And it's uh, like a wonton noodle soup with dumplings and you can have it dry or wet and penang is this really cool area of malaysia that was settled by the uh the british but has uh like a little india and a a little 
like a little China, so to speak, and but it also has a, a Muslim and non-Muslim Indian section, mm-hmm. and they all live harmoniously together, uh, though they all are kind of segregated in the way that the the town split up. But like a restaurant right next door to the Muslim, a, a Chinese restaurant next to the Muslim quarter, will not bring in pork to their restaurant out of respect for the Muslim section. So there's, uh, uh, so they won't serve pork. They'll serve chicken and beef and whatever, but they won't bring in pork just out of respect for their neighbors who are culturally almost polar opposite. It was really, really, really neat to see how there were, it was not only kind of this cultural melting pot, but also everybody still kind of stuck true to their roots. So Alana, a question for you. (laughs) Pretending that Aaron's not in the room because I, I, I know... <laughs> I'm honest, whether he's here or not. Yeah. <laughs> because knowing you for uh, four hours now, I, I know you don't like to pat his eagle too much. No, I not keep him humble. <laughs> what is your favorite thing about Aaron? Oh. Oh, that's tough. Is it his it's, sexy inquisitiveness? It's so many uh, things. It's, it's got to be so many things. It's sorry. so many things. It's probably your <laughs> hair. Okay, you're not in this room. <laughs> it's probably your hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's just That's it's, it's your love for food, but it also extends to just your general care for the people that are in your life. Like, your your love for food is reflected in your relationships. It's just, you're probably one of the most thoughtful and caring people that I've ever met. And so yeah, your love of food is definitely reflected in your relationships and how you care for people. It's just like this caring nature about you. What is what is the tie between compassion and an obsession with food? I, like your passion should be your obsession, no? You should be obsessed about your passion. It's the only way to get good at something. Yeah, you have this obsession, this this passion. That's very clear. Um, but this interpersonal component that you're mentioning about the about his compassion for other people, how he cares for other people. How does it tie to food? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think because food nurtures us. Like food is what gives you the food is definitely Aaron's passion. But by him providing food for other people, it's his way of nourishing people so that they can go and pursue their passions. Mm. So he he wants to make sure that I'm fed every day so that I can make the best of my day. I'm not in the kitchen. I'm not cooking. But that I have a lunch to take to work so that when I only have 10 minutes in my day, I can still be fed. And that's his way of caring for me and for other people. Mm-hmm. For you at your work. He wants you guys to have great lunches and be satisfied in that so that you can turn around and do the best afternoon of work that you can to accomplish your goals and passion. Well put. Yeah, I think that's what it is. You like to feed people so that they can go and feed others in their own way. Wow, what a wholesome bit at the end there, eh? That was my conversation with Aaron and his wife, Alana, about not just food, curiosity, personal betterment, and Aaron's unique love language. I've definitely felt, and my coworkers have definitely felt. It feels weird to say, but after having one of Aaron's meals, you you just feel like, you feel invigorated. Uh, Alana said later in a portion that didn't make it through the cut that 
food can do many things. It can nourish, it can comfort, it can fuel, it can tantalize. And when you just have something from McDonald's or you just quickly whip up some craft dinner, it might fuel you, it might, it might comfort you, but it won't do all those other things. And I think we've all learned at the office that food can be so much more. And all it takes is someone incredibly passionate about the craft, someone who respects the ingredients, who respects the process, who questions everything to help us arrive at this revelation. If you're interested in picking up a copy of Aaron's upcoming cookbook, it'll be titled Travel, Eat, Repeat, A Culinary Nomad Journal. On Instagram, he's at klein.aaron, that's C-L-Y-N-E dot A-A-R-O-N. I will be picking up a copy because it looks like an incredible piece of work. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Aaron, and I hope as with other episodes in this podcast that maybe you can get inspired as well. Or at the very least, I hope that you derive pleasure from hearing other people talk about things that really make them click. Because it, it, really, it really does bring me joy, and I learn so much from conversations like these. So, until next time, thanks for listening.